maybe we can take some time together just to touch in with our intentions, with what brings us here today or, or how we are coming into uh, the session today. Um, and just take some time to feel into that and if you wish um, to, to put that into the chat to share with others, what is it that we would like to connect to, to nourish in ourselves, in the world, uh, as we come into this time of practice. It's all welcome. Yeah. And I'm going to read them aloud, but feel free to also read connection, peace and hope. Connection, support and kindness. Gratitude for the Sangha. Acceptance and compassion. Open heart. Peace and compassion. Understanding and compassion. Compassion, compassion, compassion. And gratitude for the presence of all here. Wisdom and equanimity for me and everyone. Patience and kindness. Sense of gratitude for all those places where there is peace in our world. Yeah. So beautiful. Peace and equilibrium in very difficult times. Thank you everyone for those um, intentions and we can feel them kind of resonating uh, in the field between us and uh, we can take them and in us and we can take them into our practice together. So sometimes it feels like, you know, both when we want to nourish something in the world, the best thing we can do is practice. And bring that into being and also when we're meeting something difficult mm -hmm. staying tender despite the pain beautiful things too when we're meeting something difficult then one of the best things we can do is to practice so let's take these beautiful intentions alongside the pain, the tenderness, the grief, whatever we're feeling. And take that into a, some time of, of practicing. And if you're not in a meditation posture, then uh, please find Find your posture for this time. If you are in a posture suitable for meditation, then um, also check in. It's the right one for you right now. And in both those situations, finding the right posture, making any adjustments, attunements that are needed. 
so that the body can feel as stable, supported, and at ease as possible. As we do so, the awareness invited into the body. And the invitation can be to allow the awareness, the attention to come as deep into the body as possible. So maybe using the sensations of contact of the body and that which supports the body. Whether that's the ground, the mat, the seat. It may be that we Bring the attention to somewhere like the feet or the back of the body or the belly. Really invite the awareness more fully into the body, more deeply into the body. Inviting ourselves to rest into the body and into that which supports the body. Which includes the physical support of the ground or seat, the bed. It can also include the support of the space behind the body. We can gently rest into or to the sides of the body or in front of the body. Meaning the body surrounded, contained, held by space. And so we're both grounding and gathering the attention in the body. We can also soften and expand. 
the attention, the awareness through the body, softening and opening it, feeling the whole body. will take a little bit longer to settle the awareness, the attention. So if it's helpful to include the breathing or the sounds, the hearing in your practice, then use that. Maybe enough to just work with the body sense, that resting into the support support of the physicality of the ground, the bed, the mattress, the seat, support of the space behind and around the body. It may be helpful to include the breathing or the hearing. Both ground, settle and also soften and open the space of awareness.
And keep grounding, softening, opening, settling. As you do so, attuning to a quality of tenderness, of care, inattention. Holding experience and tenderness and meeting experience with tenderness. Whether it's the settling, resting into the support that's beneath and around us as an act of care, in an atmosphere of care. Whether it's receiving the breath or the sounds, the hearing with a sense of care, tenderness, compassion, and tuning to that quality and attention and awareness. Opening in tenderness, receiving experience with care. This may include uh, in a sense of sadness, pain, frustration, anger within us. We soften the space, rest into the support. Can we hold and bathe? Whatever is present with tenderness, with care. Our practice softening, opening the space in the body and in awareness. Tuning in to tenderness and care. Bathing experience and care and tenderness. Letting it wash the whole space of the body, the heart and mind. 
Feel the whole space again and again, whole space of awareness, whole space of the body. All of it held in tenderness. Let's continue this way in silence for a while, finding our own way, soothing and tending, opening and caring, supported and attentive. Moment by moment,
keep opening the body, softening, feeling the support, the space around the body, within the body, and the support of the ground beneath us. We keep opening to care and tenderness and compassion and attention. Bathing a whole body, heart and mind. And compassion and tenderness holding whatever arises. And compassion and tenderness. Feeling this web of compassion and tenderness that we're weaving together with our practice, all of us, different places on the earth, different life conditions, different nationalities, ages, social locations. All of us nurturing, supporting compassion and tenderness, weaving this web of support, which also holds each of us in compassion and tenderness. Opening to feel that as we practice.
as we practice continuing to feel this network of support, feeling what's appropriate and helpful for us to stay more in the body field, to open out to the support that we are weaving together and to be supported by that. Bathing the being in tenderness and compassion and feeling that energy grow. Receiving and offering to others here from others. And inviting that tenderness, that care, that compassion it's appropriate for you to flow out in all directions. Opening the field of awareness. Feeling that wish that all those beings who are currently near to us will feel safe and cared for. And at your own pace, letting that grow and open. Like these intentions and these wishes and this felt sense energy of care and tenderness. Letting them flow into the world and fill the world. And ourselves nourished and also like a spring of well-being and goodness compassion and tenderness, spreading out and radiating out, boundless. It's helpful to use phrases or words and feel free to do so. Perhaps wishing for all beings to know peace, feel and be safe. To be held in tenderness, in their pain.
keep bathing, keep radiating. Keep bringing forth internally and in all directions. Tenderness and care. Peace and safety. Stability for pain to be met with compassion. Feeling your own heart, mind and body here, bathe in tenderness and also radiating tenderness. Feeling that wish that we all share. At all beings everywhere. For all beings everywhere to be safe and to feel safe. For all beings everywhere to be held and compassion and tenderness in times of pain and difficulty. And for all of us, all beings, all life forms on this beautiful, precious planet. All of us to know peace and live in peace. So as always, no need to rush. Take your time, bring that sense of care and tenderness to yourself. 
Feeling what's appropriate if you change posture, if you open the eyes, you know, staying with that sense of care as you do so. So before I offer some reflections, just a few words about dana. Dana practice. Everyone here probably knows that these sessions are offered in the spirit of dana. They're freely offered. There's no expectation of or a price set on them. And. Uh, Dana that is offered in these sessions supports both Gaia House and teachers such as myself. And today I want to ask, and I'm doing this also on behalf of Gaia House because I feel pretty sure that they'd be happy with this. That any Dana that you wish and are able to offer either to Gaia House or to myself for this session um, to be offered. Um, to an organization or a group that's supporting peace and safety and well-being for beings on this on this earth and you can feel invited to support any group that you wish if you're uncertain then I will suggest uh, the parent circle which is sometimes called the bereaved families forum Palestinian Israeli bereaved families forum, uh, which is specifically supporting the situation here in Palestine and Israel. Um, but as I said, if there's a different organization that supports what matters to you, then uh, equally invited to offer your dana there. Heard this talk yesterday, first thing in the morning, um, and I haven't looked at it, so I can't remember what's in it. I know it's about compassion, and so some of it may be uh, so just something I riff off, and I may also not talk to the point. It was very strong, actually, at the beginning of the session when we began to feel kind of the natural sensitivity and compassion that is in this community, in this Sangha. An immediate sense of, you know, I could see on the faces even before we started to speak, the acknowledgement that there are distressing events happening in the world right now and how it impacts us and i think that natural movement of compassion which can sometimes feel um difficult overwhelming um sometimes feel 
um, frustrated because it's calling us to action and we're not sure what that action is. But I actually want us to pause and to feel it and to appreciate it. Yeah. And even if it's possible for us to rejoice that it is here, <laughs> that it naturally arises in, in us when we meet the pain, when we meet injustice, when we meet cruelty. Naturally arises. And that we do have the capacity to meet the painful with compassion and with tenderness. Of course, something that we um, can practice, something that we can develop. Uh, actually, you know, it's boundless in the teaching. So it's not, we can never be not good enough with it because even the Dalai Lama can become more compassionate because it is boundless and immeasurable quality. It's infinite. And so it can never be that we're not good enough because just that sensitivity, just the aspect of us that wishes to feel it. It's already like a, a treasure trove. And so noticing, appreciating that it is in us that we do feel it, that we have that sensitivity. And then kind of bringing that forth as perhaps something that we wish to cultivate further, that we wish to develop further. I was really struck, it's been with me since yesterday, this phrase, from the Dhammapada, many of you may be familiar with it, which says, hatred does not cease by hatred, but by non-hatred alone. Does hatred cease? Is hatred transformed? Now that reminder, hatred does not cease by hatred, but by non-hatred alone. And this path is a path of cultivating non-hatred. It's exactly that which we are cultivating, that we are developing, that we are um, caring for in ourselves and in the world. And the beautiful use of language, sometimes, and you may have heard this, sometimes it's translated as love. You know, hatred does not cease by hatred but by love alone is healed and i used to prefer that translation <laughs> uh, kind of love felt more i don't know something i could connect to more than non-hatred uh, but over time both listening and contemplating to the teachings i was gaining more understanding of the brilliancy of non-hatred because non-hatred has such a range and that understanding of the range of non-hatred gives us possibilities that are much larger than only love. So love, of course, is included in non-hatred. Understanding is included in non-hatred. Metta, unconditional friendship and goodwill is included in non-hatred. Compassion is included in non-hatred. 
the capacity to appreciate the good is included in non-hatred and equanimity is included in non-hatred maybe we're starting to get that sense of this yeah this kind of huge um range of that which we can both be supported by lean into rest into and also that which we are supporting and cultivating as we meet the difficult in our own experience in ourselves and in the world And this was all really present in your intentions today, I don't know if anyone else remembers. There was equanimity, there was compassion, there was appreciation, there was metta, there was wisdom. They're all there in this non-hatred intentionality of our practice. And then the remembrance that these are practices, that these are practices that we um, apply and that we develop the practices and the practices of cultivating ways of relating that transform ourselves and transform the world. They give us tools, they give us handholds, they give us inspiration, they give us possibilities of action. They're shifting the way we relate to experience from hatred in its all its manifestations, yeah, aversion, resistance, shutdown, to non-hatred. And this is possible. It's possible for us. It's possible for us. And sometimes that is maybe the most difficult thing to kind of uh, keep alive that sense of possibility, sense of possibility. And so how do we work with this? How do we work with this? It's uh, really interesting to contemplate, to explore, to see for ourselves. And to also learn from each other. And I think with these teachings of transformation, these teachings of healing, these teachings of not giving up on what can be, what can be in the human heart, what can be in our relationships with each other. Not giving up, that in itself is a practice. So remembering, you know, sometimes, you know, kind of I ask that question and then I kind of think, but we haven't got, it's not even a possibility to give up. I don't think we can because something in us knows, something in us knows, knows that possibility of healing hatred, knows that possibility of respect and peaceful respectful and peaceful interactions. And so how do we work with this? And compassion is so key. 
It includes self-compassion, so critical. Today, when I was um, in a session with the Sangha here in, in Palestine and Israel, you know, speaking about this phrase, you know, our hatred does not cease by hatred, but by non-hatred alone is healed, is that sometimes, you know, we may find ourselves with responses of hatred and aversion to something. You know, happened to me last week, I'll tell you in a moment. <laughs> and what we can do is we can bring that intention of non-hatred to meet our own hatred, yeah. or to meet the hatred that's manifesting in us. We bring the compassion there, because if we bring more hatred, we know that does not help. So about a week ago, I was, this is my example, was in Jerusalem, city where I grew up, and we had come to meet our niece and nephew who lived there. And we arrived early because we were traveling by public transport. <laughs> Isn't it arriving early because you travel on public transport? Yeah, because we wanted to give it plenty of time. And so we thought, oh yeah, let's go to the old city, such a place we love so much. Let's go to the old city of Jerusalem. And we um, you know, went in through the Muslim side, Palestinian side um, and walked around the Muslim quarter and the Christian quarter and went into the church of the Holy Sepulchre and had this really beautiful experience, you know, such a beautiful place with all its harshness. And then walking out, we didn't really think, you know, we went the shortest possible way and we went out through the Jewish quarter and um, last week was a week of pilgrimage, so there were loads and loads and loads of Jewish pilgrims, uh, just so many of them, so we're walking through many, many. And I was feeling so much aversion. Yeah? So here, here, here it is. Yeah? People think sometimes I'm the, say to me, you're the embodiment of matter. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I was walking and feeling, you know, so much aversion, yeah, and feeling the painfulness of feeling aversion towards people just because of the way they look, yeah, because I associate that look with settlers, and I associate that look with kind of many things that are happening in Israeli society at the moment to do with gender rights and. Uh, religious kind of coercion. And so meeting that form of hatred, aversion with non-hatred, yeah, there's no other way, <laughs> which includes feeling the painfulness of it. Yeah. It was so painful. I just wanted to get out of there, but I couldn't. I was walking out, but I was surrounded by people. I couldn't stop the contact. Yeah but I could bring that attention internally and meet that aversion with non-hatred. Breathe with it, open the body. Yeah, not believe what the mind was telling me. Bring compassion to my own hurting heart. Yeah, and aversion hurts. 
painful state to be in. And bring the equanimity that remembers. This is a conditioning. It's surprising. I wasn't expecting this. (laughs) And I'm impacted. And here it is. Can I not believe it? And can I attend to it? As well as I can, with compassion, with equanimity, with wisdom. Not who I am, and yet not something that I ignore. Not who I am, and yet not something that I ignore. It's a wake-up call. It's an opportunity for practice. And the interesting thing about these experiences is not only they teach us something, about yeah hatred and non-hatred and the possibilities that we have not only do they kind of a really powerful practice grounds they also strengthen if we're willing to meet them with compassion towards ourselves and with the wisdom that says i am not this and the other person is not that even though we may disagree if we start talking to each other, mm-hmm. does not limit. When we meet that, we are supporting that space of compassion and wisdom in ourselves and in the world. Because when we hear hatred from another, just as we've practiced and not believing it in ourselves, we can also hold the hatred of the other more lightly, more compassionately, more wisely. And I'm coming back to that quote. If we want to heal hatred, we need to develop non-hatred. If we want to heal hatred, if we want to heal ignorance, then we have to develop non-hatred and we have to develop wisdom and understanding. There's no other option. There's no other option. This is our work. And we do it with clarity of seeing, with honesty, with courage, and with our ongoing practice. Meeting on, on the meditation posture, in the meditation posture, in the formal practice, and outside of it, meeting our experience. So allowing the way we feel meeting it with tenderness and compassion as a foundation for transformation, but also allowing and not giving up on ourselves, knowing that there's more, knowing that that there's more. And if we can do that with ourselves, we can do that with the world. If we can do that with the world, we can do it with ourselves. over and over again yeah we have to do that we have to do that so remembering our own humanity remembering the humanity of another and working towards that and any every possible uh level and we can bring compassion this is something else i want to to say and maybe i didn't emphasize it so much in the meditation but we can bring compassion and tenderness to meet the beautiful in the world as well as the difficult. 
How often do we think of that? Because the beautiful, the precious, the beloved, we can have a sense of tenderness towards it because that too is conditioned and inconstant. So we can feel compassion that actually supports our sense of appreciation towards what is beautiful, towards that which is precious in ourselves and in the world. And we can bring that also to the difficult. Mm -hmm. Remembering, you know, what we often feel when things are difficult and when we shut down is we feel a shutdown, we feel a disconnection, but what we actually want is connection. And so can we find that? Can we build that? Can we create that? It's not easy. It's not easy. So I want to give another example of that. Um, Mentioned going to the shelter here. So in my mother's apartment building, uh, which is where I am, um, there's a common shelter on each floor. Yeah, so each floor has a safe room um, and there's four flats on each floor. So when the sirens go, you go and meet your neighbours. Often it's in pyjamas, it's often those other times. So it's quite an intimate meeting, you know, and everyone's there, the dogs, the children, um, the elders. And a couple of years ago, two and a half years ago, and the last time, though, I think there was um, shelling in the center of Israel, they were also here. I think some of you were also here with us on Zoom at that time. (laughs) I can't remember, but I think so. Um, One of the neighbors brought their mother to be with with them. Um, And we were there in the shelter, one of the first... Um, raids in the middle of the night and we're sitting there quite quiet and tired and in despair and then this you know older person said oh I hope our air force kills them all you know I hope they kill them all and you know my heart just closed and you know how how to handle that you know that that experience stayed with me i couldn't say anything you know i could just send meta you know that's what i was doing <laughs> then i was sitting there quietly i wasn't saying anything but sending meta uh, to all those that in that moment she had wished to be killed and to her and to all of us and to everyone and then yesterday i'm in the shelter again and she was there again they'd brought her again which is you know act of love and connection and I I was ready (laughs) and so as soon as we came in and everyone kind of sat down and the chairs are all around so you really sit in a communal way looking at each other and um one of the neighbors said something and and then I carried on and we created an atmosphere where that comment would have been difficult to voice or to even feel. So with the help of another, I created an atmosphere through what we were speaking of 
that was an atmosphere of compassion. That was an atmosphere of um, spaciousness. That that was an that was an atmosphere where the walls and hatred would be less likely to build and to take fruit. And they didn't. It was very interesting. Yeah, it was very very interesting how even though in many ways you know from the Israeli perspective what is what is happening right now is a lot worse yeah there was the possibility to create an atmosphere where the horror of the situation could be held in a wider um, a wider sense and so I'm saying this also to say compassion is something we work on in ourselves we both kind of bring self-compassion to our own experience. We also nourish it and nurture it and build it yeah, through our formal practice. It's also an action. Yeah, compassion, a karuna in Pali is, a, is, an, is an active word. It's got ka, K-A in it. That's the word action. So it's not just feeling a sense of resonance and empathy. It's also that capacity to act, to alleviate, and that wish to alleviate suffering. And that wish takes a whole, yeah, I can take a huge range. Yeah, just in that small conversation, just creating the conditions where aversion and hatred couldn't uh, take root in the same way. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. In what we do, yeah, how we act, what we give our energies to. Yeah. From meditation, yeah to protest, to resistance, to craftivism. Someone showed me a book recently called Craftivism. It's beautiful. Creating crafts and arts as a form of activism. And so resistance uh, can uh, come yeah, in the form of compassion yeah. towards the oppressed, towards the oppressor, towards ourselves. Yeah both through self-compassion, but also in taking actions for what matters to us. That is also a form of compassion, because when we act, that um, responds to a very deep need that we have. This ties us back to the beginning of this talk, in the beginning of this session. That natural movement of the heart in response to suffering. And when we act, whatever it is that we do in response, that is also an act of compassion towards ourselves as well as towards others. So it's nearly everything I wanted to say. I just want to say one more thing. We're really, we've had a plan for some months and we're hoping that it will still happen towards the end of October. We have what we call a being peace evening uh, on Zoom, you know, which is traditionally we've always had these with people in Palestine. Uh, we meditate together a little bit and then someone, Palestinian friend or acquaintance, talks to us about their lives. You know, it's as if we were visiting them in, uh, in their home and we get a chance to hear that and to uh, ask questions. So we have one planned, I think it's the 26th of October. Uh, we're, we were planning uh, to be hosted by uh, a young man from Gaza. 
who has just completed his um, medical uh, academic uh, training and is starting his year, or supposed to be starting his year of uh, um, residency. Yeah. And so I don't know <laughs> if that will be possible in Gaza on the 26th of October. If not, there'll be a, a Palestinian friend from a different area. But I just want to put the link in the chat now in case anyone is interested to join that. It can be a great act of compassion uh, towards ourselves and towards others. Um, speaking to a Palestinian friend today, just to say, okay, I have to say one more thing. <laughs> Yesterday, and, and people are often kind of surprised and not surprised, I got several phone calls from Palestinian friends wanting to know that we were safe and our families were safe and our friends were safe. And so the power of friendship um, and the power of humanity, which is way beyond what we hear on the news uh, and what we're exposed to. And today I was speaking um to uh i forgot what i wanted to say speaking to one of my friends in palestine we have our being peace retreat supposed to start on wednesday with a group of internationals and israelis coming to support the olive harvest and i've been consulting my friends in palestine to ask like is it feasible what do you think and my friend said none of us know <laughs> We don't know what's going to happen on Wednesday or what's going to happen in the next two weeks. But I know that now more than ever, we need you to stand in solidarity with us. That I know. And so I'm saying that also on behalf of my Palestinian friends who have a lot less of a voice in our societies. Yeah. We don't hear them. We only hear uh, those who are violent in their societies, but we do not hear so many of them working for peace and trying to carve out a life in such difficult situations. And so, yeah, it's an opportunity to come online. I think I put it in the chat already. Yes. So, sorry, I've spoken for a long time. There is time if there's any, I think there may be some reflections already. Any questions or reflections are really welcome um, about anything I said or didn't say. Um, or anything else you wish to say, it's all welcome. And you can simply unmute or you can put it in the chat if you wish. Hi, Zoha. Hey there. Yeah. Hi. Um, first of all, thank you so much. That was, an I thought, an extraordinarily moving session, has been extraordinarily moving, uh, probably more moving than I've ever experienced on a Gaia House Dharma talk. So thank you so much. Um, I had, I have a sort of jumble of beginner's thoughts, <laughs> which I had yesterday when Nathan was doing his talk, but because he was interrupted by the um, needing to go to the shelter twice. I, it wasn't appropriate. It didn't feel appropriate to, to ask. Um, there are sort of two reflections. Maybe there's only time for one, but I'll, I'll, I'll go as far as quickly as I can. Um, I've been thinking a lot about um, 
uh, aversion to the unpleasant and mm. clinging to the pleasant. And it seems to me that clinging to the pleasant is something that I'm managing to work with much more easily because I kind of know it will pass and I'm fine that it will, and I'm fine that it will pass and I'm fine to savor it in a, what I hope is a healthy way, knowing that it's not going to last. But with the unpleasant thoughts or feelings, sometimes they feel like they will never pass, even though of course they do. Mm. And that they're much more scary. So mm. rather than go on to the next one, which I can always leave to a different time, perhaps I could just leave you with that one. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think beautiful reflection and question there. Um, so a few things that come to mind and maybe, you know, I was going to ask you and then I think you kind of answered that, but I just want to double check that what, what is helpful for you with the clinging to the pleasant is that there is a, a sense of conviction of trust that it will not last. And yeah, that I know same it, yes. trust and conviction is not there with the unpleasant. Yes, it's correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is you know very typical of us. Yeah, we we tend to give more weight to the unpleasant, and and it's a very strong mechanism of our mind um, to give it more weight to see it as more real. You know, so that's partly mm -hmm. why it may be more easy to see that. Um, what happens when you bring compassion to? Um, that, that the kind of the unpleasantness of the ex either the experience or the thoughts around it. Have you, well, have that, you the, that's what I'm working on. And in a way that takes me to the, the second point, because I'm still struggling. And this is something that Nathan was talking about a bit yesterday, although I don't pretend to have understood it all. I still struggle between the thoughts and the felt experience. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying, I think what I need to do is to bring compassion to the felt experience. Yeah. And I really feel very beginnery about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so let's kind of just go into it a little bit more. There is a sense, you know, when you're when you're speaking about this, that you know that these thoughts are dukkha. Yes, you can feel, and that's a, a kind of a, a, a knowledge and a kind of a more of a intellectual no, knowledge. I mean, the way you were no, nodding, I would say. It felt. It looked and felt like it was quite a, a felt sense knowledge. Yeah, it's a felt, felt sense, felt sense knowledge. Great. So I would say, do you think you could bring compassion to that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So go with that felt sense. The beautiful thing about experience, our experience, is because it's constructed and built up. It doesn't sometimes matter where we meet it or what level we meet it. It's like if I can, I'm clear that this is dukkha. Can I bring compassion? to the sense of suffering that I'm clear about is here. Yeah. And how do I know and how do I know that I'm not just chucking a second arrow at it? Um, so one one way of knowing would be to explore how is this impacting experience? If I'm bringing compassion to this and the compassion being really in the sense of being of holding it and, and in a way allowing it, we're allowing that dukkha so that we can hold it in compassion. Um, if that increases dukkha, then it's likely there's a second arrow. If mm -hmm. it doesn't, either the dukkha decreases or alongside with the dukkha, there is some sense of 
uh, equanimity or quietness or well-being. Yeah, if that arises, then we know we're on the right track. Okay. Does that help? Yes, absolutely. Really helpful, actually. Really helpful. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for those wonderful questions. Um, just checking if there's anything in the chat, but also inviting people to unmute and ask if you wish. Yeah. 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 So thank you for all those moving comments. You know, very powerful. And you know, I think maybe Dai's already left, but her comment is relevant, you know, the sense of sometimes it's impossible to overcome grief and anguish. And that's okay. Yeah. You know, we can sit with grief and anguish just like we would with a person going through that, you know, going through loss, going through difficulty, we wouldn't expect someone else to get over it, hopefully. Yeah. And so we can bring that same sense to ourselves. This is part of compassion as well, is to sit with, to be with, to bear witness to, to hold the space um, also for ourselves with grief, with anguish. That's part of our tenderness. That's part of our strength. Sometimes we see it as a weakness, but you know, saying about uh, grief that you know grief is a form of love, whether it's about a particular being mm -hmm. or it's about uh, you know the suffering in our world, mm -hmm. particular or general. Grief is a form of love, and what happens when we see it uh, in that way and we honor and acknowledge it in that way? Yeah. I'm sorry, I see there's an early comment from Stevie, who I also don't know if Stevie's still here. Yeah. Feeling hopeless. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I just want to address that, Tilly, and then we'll go to you if that's okay. Um, yeah, sometimes you know, we feel hopeless. And again, I think just to feel what is there, what is that, you know, hopelessness is also can be a form of grief, of despair, and just kind of getting in touch with that and seeing if we can meet that with tenderness and compassion. Um, and sometimes we may need to just hold that quite softly and caringly and tenderly. And sometimes we need uh, what Stevie is referring to there is like some kind of like, no, I'm choosing to not believe the hopelessness as a kind of um, determination in the practice. Yes, please, Tilly. Um, I, I was quite, first, thank you for, for being here. And um, I was quite impressed with your example in the shelter of cultivating an atmosphere. Um, that I would interpret as bringing to the front more the humanity than the division. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I wonder, I'm, I'm going to sort of question um, 
bluntly because it's not very clear to my end, but what's popping up for me, when is it appropriate to talk and when it's not appropriate? Because obviously sometimes things are said uh, when you need or feel might feel the need to challenge or to stand up. Yeah. Because at the moment I'm impacted by the situation and a lot of conflicting <laughs> emotions are going on from the very positive to the very negative. So, um, but um, so I'm interested in the perspective of cultivating this. When what's your clue to say no? I cannot shut up there. Yeah, yeah. So of course, there's many. Um, Kind of many different levels here so I, i'll just go a bit more into detail with that example um and what happened was that the the it's actually in, in one of the one of the neighbor's girlfriend <laughs> started this so you know she's young she's a student so mid-20s i guess or something like that and and she just said oh you know there's a reason for this, yeah. because often, you know, this is something that happens is something like this happens. And then it's as if it's happening out of the blue and there's a disconnect. And this happens in all our societies. It's very strong in Israeli society. There's a disconnect from what was preceding. Yeah. And so with Dharma practice, we, we really see yeah, what are the conditions? What are the situations? And so, you know, she was she was just saying, oh, you know, what what the settlers did in Chawawa, Palestinian village last night, you know, what they've been doing for the last week in Al-Aqsa, you know, one of the most holy sites for Islam, closing it down to Muslims so that Jews could pray against international agreements, um, you know, violently um, arresting peaceful protesters on this holy site, including women um this was happening yeah this whole last week and if you read the hamas statements which i'm not justifying what they're doing <laughs> at all that's the that's what sparked from there and this you know violence so you kind of start to see so she didn't say all of that she just said ah you know people are probably she said it very nice very beautifully <laughs> you know you know i'm sure everyone's wondering you know why this has happened but are they remembering what's been happening in the last week in, in Hawaii? And then I said, oh, yeah, you know, we were just visiting friends in Palestine. They were telling us, we live in that area, how long, you know, how all the roads are closed, how long it's taking them to get back and forth from Nablus, their nearby town, instead of 20 minutes, it's taking two and a half hours, talking about what happened in Al-Aqsa. So just giving it a kind of a human context. So it wasn't a, what I'm taking from this example, it's not a, it wasn't a like full on kind of you're wrong. But it was just putting gently more things in the field. And you're absolutely right. Sometimes it's possible. Sometimes it isn't. Sometimes it's a matter of timing. And often we go, as I said the first time, we go into a freeze response. Yeah. Like which I shut down often when I hear something very, very aggressive like that. I just shut down. So also working with our own systems. Yeah so that meta-compassion become more accessible internally so that we can unfreeze and we can be more prepared for the next. So this was an easy example in a way we can say, because it's exactly the same, can, or almost exactly same group of people, same place, 
yeah same pajamas so it's like so much is like so similar that it's kind of like very like more easily um and somebody else who was suddenly an ally uh, even though, of course, I'd also been talking to my mother about it, you know, because Nathan, because of the language, can't be an ally so much, you know, because he doesn't speak Hebrew and that would... Anyway, so just that level of being prepared. And I think we sometimes know the situations in our lives when we know we might need something um, and, and the situations where we're taken by surprise, but we just work on that and we kind of think, okay, what can I weave in? This can be a practice that we do in more and more situations to create a situation that has more goodwill, that has a larger perspective. You know, it can be with anything. It can be when I'm, you know, I don't know what, phoning my electricity company. Well, actually, it's a good example. I have that a lot. It's a great area of practice. I've changed finally, but for a long time, I was like preparing for that interaction where I knew I would get really angry, you know, so that I wouldn't. Yeah, so we can kind of say, how can I make this? What can I bring in? What pegs can I bring in? Um, and making it a practice is the most important thing. Yeah. Sorry, it's a bit of a muddled answer, Tilly, but did that help? Give you something to work with? Yeah, no, that helped. That that um, that's very practical in terms of practice. Yeah. And um, and also to me, I had it also not to feel sort of bad when those kind of things are not handled to the best. You know, when yes. sometimes you attack. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they uh, you can you can freeze or or fight in my case, um, but be prepared to work with those responses is the best we can do um, yeah. to avoid being disengaged. Yes, absolutely. You said it much better than me. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Be prepared. Be willing. And be willing to learn, even when we feel we didn't do the right thing, then or the best thing, you know. Then, how do we take that on? You know, what can we learn uh, for the next time, for the next possibility? Yeah, opportunity. Wonderful. Thank you so much, everyone. Um, just to say, I had meant to record this, and somehow it seems like I didn't press the record button. I thought I had. I have a memory of doing it. So that's a new achievement for me, pressing the button without pressing the button um, to go with my long track record of planning to record and not managing to do it. Um, Nathan's talk, I think he was working on this morning to try and make it suitable for Dharma Seed with, <laughs> with uh, um, sirens going on in the middle. So I don't know if he's been successful or not, but it may be there uh, for those who wish to listen to it again. And yeah, thanks again, everyone, for your practice your presence, your listening, your questions and comments, um, all very, very uh, supportive and beautiful and go well.